It is really good to have you all here this morning, and it's great to have the girls here. Um, scouting was a big part of my life when I was younger, and uh, I'm very thankful for scouting in all its forms. Uh, we're very glad to have the Girl Scouts with us this morning. As I start my sermon, uh, let me ask a very deep theological question right up front. Is there anyone who doesn't like Girl, guy, cookie, Girl Scout cookies? Anybody? Anybody? Raise your hand. We'll do counseling later. I saw a sign um, that somebody had posted, obviously a grumpy person. It says, no soliciting. We found Jesus. We love our vacuum. Our pests are under control. And our kids are selling the same junk you are. Seriously, we don't want any. Unless it's Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> I know that uh, Girl Scouts want to be known for being fair and honest, being friendly and considerate, caring conscientious and strong, and I am sure that the girls are all of those things, but let's be very honest, a lot of people know you from your thin mints and your tagalongs, right? Do you know the Scouts promise, the Girl Scouts promise? Do you know that? Anybody know that? Some of you leaders ought to know that. I see some, I see some of these going up here. Well, I'm going to put it up here on the screen. It says, on my honor, I will try to serve God and my country, to help people at all times, and to live by the Girl Scout law. I find it impressive that even today, uh, there is still consideration given to serving God. The Girl Scout law lists a lot of character traits, and uh, they could also be described as some of the character traits of a good Christian character, as we find it in the Bible. Things like honesty and fairness and caring, courageousness, respecting authority, using resources wisely. We call that stewardship. Of course, that character, we believe, grows best out of knowing God. In the Bible, Jesus shows us the way to knowing God. And in the book of Hebrews, there is a word I want to share with you. And I'm going to do something I never do, and I'm going to build an entire sermon on one word today. But it's an important word. It's in Hebrews chapter 6, and that chapter talks about God's promises, about how we have our hope in God. It says that God keeps his promises, and we know this because it's impossible for God to lie. So it's safe for us to go to God for safety, for shelter, for rescue, and to trust him that we can hope for heaven. And if we believe in him, that's where we're going to end up. That's the end of our journey. Hebrews 6, 19. Here's the verse. It says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. You might know a song that starts like that. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, in verse 20... It says, where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. Now, this word, um, it, it means somebody who runs in front of the group. It's somebody who goes ahead to see what's going on. It's like an advanced uh, guard. It could be a trailblazer who marks the trail, somebody who gathers information and prepares the way and makes it safe 
to proceed. Now, this same word can also fairly be translated as scout. As scout. Now, what does a scout do? Same thing as a forerunner. They go first. They scout out the territory. They prepare the way for others to follow. They mark the path so that others can go the right way. You know, in life, we want to live good lives. We want to live well for God while we're on this earth. And when our lives finish, we want to live forever in heaven. I love the idea of uh, Jesus as scout, um, the one who leads the way. Uh, I want to talk this morning about three ways I think he does that for us. Um, Jesus is our scout, and he's showing us the way. First of all, he showed the way by how he lived, then by what he taught, and then by being first. We'll talk about what that means, about being first as we go along. First, let's talk about how Jesus lived. Do you think how you live is important? Do you think it's important? Because Jesus thought so too. He lived his life serving others. He cared for the poor. He taught his disciples. And that was, well, he taught them how to do what he was doing. And that was very, very important. He cared about children because of their innocence and their simple faith in God. Uh, like in Luke 18, where people were bringing their babies to Jesus and they were asking him to bless them. And, and the disciples thought, well, they're wasting Jesus' time. And so they tried to stop them. In fact, they would have sent them away, except that Jesus himself said, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. It says in the scripture, but Jesus called the little children or called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. You know, we adults, we make things so much harder. <laughs> Children, I think, have it right. Their faith is simple. It's not complicated. They just believe. Now, as adults in the church, we get all theological on you. We, we try to make seven different hoops you have to jump through in order to get to heaven and make it a little worse than it needs to be. But Jesus recognized the beautiful faith of a child, that super innocence, and he told us to be just like them. In Jesus' day, you know, children were not treated very well. Uh, many children, uh, you know, it was, they wanted children, but then when they had their children, they didn't always care for them the way that the children needed to be cared for. They weren't always considered important. Their opinions were never asked. They were, not, they were just part of the household, and they went along with the flow. But Jesus tells his own disciples that if they wanted to enter the kingdom of God, they needed to be just like the little ones. They needed to believe with a simple and honest faith. And you know, Jesus didn't just care for the kids. He cared for anyone who didn't have a voice, anybody who felt left out. One time in Mark chapter 2, Jesus was speaking in a house in Capernaum, and uh, so many people came to hear him that the place just filled to the brim. There wasn't even standing room outside the door where you could hear him. But something happened. There was a group of men who were carrying their friend, 
to be healed by Jesus. And they, they carried him along, and they couldn't get anywhere close. And so they kind of went around the, the hard way, and they climbed up on the roof. And the roofs were flat in many spaces. You could go up and sleep on the roof at night if it was really hot. And, and they got up there, and, and the tile was fastened with clay or mud, and they started digging through the roof until they got a big hole in the roof. You can imagine uh, as Jesus is talking, he's teaching, and there's a room full of people. And then these ropes come down, and there's a stretcher on it with a guy on it. Quite a shock. But they were faithful friends. And they honored their friend by bringing him to Jesus. And Jesus... It says here that uh, since they couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat with the man lying on it. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Well, this was kind of against the status quo. The teachers of the law were there. And uh, they were very upset. They thought it was blasphemy for Jesus, for any man, to say that he's forgiving sin because forgiving sin was God's territory. Only God could do that. But to prove to them that he was the Son of God and had the authority to forgive sins, he healed the man. He said to them, which is easier? Say this to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up and take your mat and go home. And he got up and he took his mat. And he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. (laughs) Jesus healed a lot of people in his ministry. And he did things like eating with sinners and tax collectors, those people who were being rejected by the people around them. He even made Matthew a tax collector, one of his 12 disciples. And tax collectors in that day were hated. When the Apostle Paul describes what real love looks like in 1 Corinthians 13, he's really talking about who Jesus was and what Jesus lived like, and this is what Jesus' character is. He said, love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and always endures in every circumstance. See, this is Jesus is described. This is his character. This is how Jesus lived. This is the the Jesus that they learned from. And this is how they learned to do ministry themselves. This is how Jesus scouted ahead. He went before us, and he showed us the way to live by how he lived. Well, he also showed us the way by what and how he taught. Uh, You know, I assume that teaching is still very important in scouting today. Is that true? Yeah, I figured. I was a scout. I, I come from a family of scouts. My father was a Boy Scout in England when he was young uh, and during the war. 
And uh, he became a scout leader uh, once he uh, moved, uh, emigrated to Canada. And when I was a boy, he was the assistant uh, leader of our, our Cub Scout pack at our church. So naturally, I became a Cub Scout, then a scout, then a tenderfoot. And I don't remember how high I got because my mind just kind of ends right there. My memory, I can't quite remember how far I got. But I just remember those particular years especially, which were really precious. Um, so I became a Cub Scout, and then later on, my sister became a Brownie, and then she became a Girl Guide, what they used to call Girl Scouts, and uh, I found a picture a long time ago of my mom in a Scout uniform, so I know that at some point, she was a Scout as well, so that's, that's the entire family. Now, as a Scout, I didn't progress very quickly. Some badges were beyond me. I couldn't tie a knot to save my life. Just couldn't do it. And there was always something missing from my uniform when I would show up. Something missing, my scarf wouldn't be tied, my cap would be missing, I left it in the car. You know, I didn't have my sash on right, or badges were falling off, there was always something. My dad tried to teach me, but my dad wasn't a real patient leader with his own kids. He was great with others, but not so good with his own kids. And I think I exasperated him. But I could do one thing really well. I could talk. I was that kid who never stopped talking. You know that kid? I'm still that kid. Girl Scouts have wonderful cookies that they get to sell to raise their funds. Boy Scouts, I, I think we kind of winged it a little bit, you know? Like one year we sold Indian chutney, which is kind of like a spicy relish. It's really good, but, but it's, it's kind of a different thing to be selling for raising funds. But I went out and I sold cases of them. And then later on, we, uh, one year we decided to sell garbage bags. New ones, new ones. <laughs> We just thought it was a practical item and it would sell easy. And so, uh, you know, I remember going out. I was nervous, scared to go door to door. And, and one of the older scouts went with me. And he did the first couple and he showed me how it was done. And then he explained things to me and then he let me do it. And then he watched me and then I was on my own. I sold more than 80 cases of those things. The only guy who beat me sold 110 cases of those things. <laughs> All it took for me to learn was an older scout with a little bit of patience who taught me how to do it and showed me the way, and I was on my way. Jesus was a patient teacher. All you have to do is look at his life with his disciples to figure that out. Uh, they were always saying and doing something stupid that would have promoted or provoked uh, you know, an ordinary person to madness, I think, sometimes. You know, some of the crazy things that they said. But he taught them how to live and how to love and how to love and how to teach other people as well. It wasn't just what Jesus taught. It was how Jesus taught it, with lots of love and patience. Like when they were traveling through Samaria on their way to Jerusalem and some villagers wouldn't give Jesus a place to stay for the night. And so the disciples were quite angry, especially James and John, who were brothers. And, and they said to Jesus, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? 
And Jesus says, uh, no, wait a minute, guys, that's not what I'm looking for here. <laughs> that's not what we're all about. That's not our ministry. But he gave them a nickname. He called them the Sons of Thunder, <laughs> probably because they were so scrappy and ready for a fight all the time. But Jesus taught them patiently, and they learned to live differently. And you can read what each of them wrote, and you can see the character that was developed in each of them because of the time that they spent with Jesus. You know, the core of Jesus' ministry was the Sermon on the Mount. It starts in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus taught the crowds of the followers that had gathered on the side of the mountain that day that God had not forgotten them. You know, so many people, even in today and in the world that we live, maybe especially today, so many people feel left out. So many people feel disregarded. They feel like they're not heard or even seen. And Jesus gathered all these people, a mix of just about every, person, every kind of person you could think of. Several different ethnicities were represented in that group on the side of the mountain that day. And Jesus taught them that God loved them and he hadn't forgotten them. And if they felt downtrodden or persecuted or disregarded, God still cared. In the Beatitudes, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he continued to teach them, and he taught them that following him and serving God is more important than just going through the motions. It's more than just church on Sundays. It's about living your whole life for Jesus and for God. Now, early in John, Jesus taught Nicodemus, who was one of the leaders of the Jews, that if he wanted to enter the kingdom of heaven, he needed to be born again. He said, what in the world is that? To start fresh, to believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, and to be changed from the inside out so that you are a brand new person. That's what he was talking about. Jesus led the way. He was teaching us the way to follow by how he lived and by what he taught. But he also scouted ahead by being first. What I mean by that is that Jesus was the trailblazer. Trailblazer is another way that some people have translated that same word that we translated scout, that word forerunner. Jesus goes ahead and he blazes a trail for us. Do you know what blazing a trail is? Have you ever been on the... the, the I was going to say just the AT. <laughs> I was going to say Appalachian Trail, and then some will correct me and say Appalachian. Thank you very much. But if you're on the trail, you'll see that it's marked by blazes. 
by marks that are put on the tree. Uh, and these marks are painted there. They're about two inches wide and about six inches long, and, and uh, they, they guide the way. And the white ones, that tells you you're on the main trail, you're doing fine. The blue ones will tell you that you're on a side trail. Uh, some of the blue ones will lead to shelter or to a water pump or to things like that. Um, you know where you're going by following the blazes on the trees. Now, if you get a couple of hundred yards down the way and you don't see another blaze, you need to backtrack because you're off the path. And then you want to find the next one and then the next one and just keep moving from one to the next. I remember when I was on a scout camp out and we were earning uh, a badge. I think it was called a trailblazer badge or something like that. But, but we were earning a badge and we were, we were blazing a trail in a, in a place where there wasn't really a path. And so... You know, instead of marking the trees, because this was temporary, what we did was we tied ribbons on the trees, and then we cleared the brush from the path so it was a whole lot easier to walk, and then we walked the length of the path. You know, there was all part of the exercise. If you followed the ribbons that we tied on the trees, you wouldn't get lost. Jesus did that for us. Jesus went ahead first, Jesus was the scout. Jesus went ahead first, and he marked the trail for us, and he cleared the path for us to walk in. He cleared a path for eternal life, a life forever after we die. When our own sin stood in the way, he cleared the path by dying on a cross for our sin. When death stood in the way, Jesus conquered death, being raised from the dead on the third day. He cleared a path that we can follow. He blazed a trail. He was the forerunner. He ran ahead and he made the path clear. So the question I have for you is, are you going to follow the trail that he blazed? Are you going to go down the path that he directed, that he taught about, that he lived his life for? Are you going to go down that path? You know, there's only one way to put that badge on your sash, to put that on your vest. The only way you can do that is by believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on a cross for your sins, that he was raised on the third day. That's what we're celebrating here in a couple of weeks in Easter. No matter what badge, I I hope you'll continue to follow Jesus. I hope that that becomes the way for you in your life. I I hope that you follow him all the way to heaven. That's the trail he laid. We get on the trail by believing. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus, your son, so that we could know the path to heaven. And we believe in you. And we give you our hearts and we say, come and live in us. Teach us how to follow you always. You made the way clear. Help us to stay on the narrow way. Lord, again, I ask your blessing on this scout troop and on each and every girl and on each of their leaders. May their lives have the qualities they talk about in their Girl Scout law, qualities that we find all the way through the Bible. Lord, bring your safety and your blessing on this troop, and we're thankful to have them. We pray in Jesus' name.
Amen.